Welcome to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. I'm Rebecca Plum, your big sister. And I'm Sean Serha, your GBF. We're not that hot or that young. But we believe it's a state of mind that helps us build adaptable and profitable businesses. We rely on the support of our design besties to get through each day. So let's explore the emotional, practical, and humorous sides of being interior designers. Welcome to the club. Hey, Sean. What's up, Rebecca? Hey, Rich. Hello, Sean and Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me. Today, we have Rich Padin from Rich Padin PR. We are super excited to talk to him. We've spoken to a few of your clients, so we're excited to see like maybe the Oz behind it all. The other side of the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> that is very accurate description, I will say. Okay, it's good. It's better than a puppet master. I prefer Oz to the puppeteer. Right. So we'll go with that. Because they're, they're doing some good work. Because your puppets really do stuff. Yeah. Love the puppets. <laughs> Love the puppets. <laughs> Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit more about you and your agency and kind of give us the, the short version introduction? Yes, absolutely. So again, as you said, my name is Rich Padine and my company is Rich Padine Public Relations, better known as RPPR very convenient initials for a PR business. Mm -hmm. Sadly, there was an RPPR in Canada, so I do not have RPPR.com. I have been in business. I just celebrated 12 years in business as RPPR, which is really exciting. 19 years in business or working full-time as a publicist in PR and about 17 years specializing in interior design and lifestyle experts, home products. So it's been a minute. been doing this for a minute. It's very yeah. exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Congrats. Yeah. What got you into interior specifically? So originally, I wanted the skill set of PR and did not necessarily plan on a career in PR, but then I had a degree in PR So that was an easy job to get. And when I first moved to LA, I wanted to work in entertainment. Specifically, I wanted to work in live music. And I discovered very quickly that working and being passionate about something did not necessarily need to overlap. Oh, no. (laughs) Now now you tell us. And I wanted to enjoy music and not have it be my life. And so... I, my first job, I worked for a lovely, wonderful man named Joe Marsh, who's now based in Vegas, who does specifically book PR. And at the time, he represented the author Michael Crichton of Jurassic Park fame, to anyone who does not remember that name. Sold and a few books, yeah. Sold yes. a few books. That was my first gig <laughs> wow. right out of college, office in Beverly Hills, in a fancy building, had valet parking. It was amazing. As a 22-year-old for about Whoa. six months. And then... Well, you made it. Yeah, like that was it. I was done. <laughs> oh, um, good. She all did I it. Did, <laughs> <laughs> all I did was answer the phone and say no. Because it was like, no, no, no. All day, every day, because Creighton didn't do a lot of press and got tons of interviews. So I knew that, you know, book PR wasn't necessarily my thing. Even though I'm an avid reader, it just didn't really strike a nerve with me. So through an alumni newsletter, I heard about a job that was in quote-unquote lifestyle PR, which at the time 
you know, this we're talking about like late 2005 was just starting to really kind mm-hmm. of bubble up as a thing. You know, it's pre Bravo, mm-hmm. but like sort of trading spaces era mm-hmm. of TV. And yeah. one of the clients at this company was a guy named Doug Wilson, who was a designer from the original cast of Trading Spaces. Mm-hmm. And, and through Doug and then a couple other clients that that firm had existing, I was introduced to this idea of interior design PR. And that was the light bulb moment where it was something I knew I loved. Love houses. You've always had an interest. I have always loved houses. Growing up, my mom and I went and looked at like every house that was even remotely worth looking at in our small little town. And I used to love to get... This is like so cheesy, but I used to love to get the at a newsstand, sort of like the phone book size... Well, like half a phone book size. And it was like house plan, like generic house plans. And they would have a black and white drawing of the outside of the house. Give me one of those and a box of colored pencils. And mama was doing the outside of houses. Your coloring color schemes. Book, like, yeah, that was like my idea of a coloring book. Now it's probably a little old for a coloring book at that point. But I like I can, went rushing right back to that. And I'm a classic tale of the, the childhood bedroom. You know, yeah. like <laughs> I had the Southwest rainbow striped bed in a bag from JCPenney oh. with the matching balances. There's like a meme about it that goes around occasionally. Yeah. And you I'm like, like, oh my gosh. Hit I had the, the whole I had everything except I didn't have the table skirt. You know, that was like the one thing yeah. I didn't have. But I had, you know, like <laughs> even the balance. Balance? Yeah. Yeah, I had yeah. the balance. Oh, didn't go full curtains, but had the balance. Did um, it come with like the wallpaper like border? It didn't come with it. And I did not get that. If they did, you would have had it. But that was the peak of wallpaper board. And my mom actually would wallpaper in our house. I never got to do a decorative border, unfortunately. (laughs) But I, we had a chair rail. And it was like a 1930s Cape Cod house in small town Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania had a chair rail. And everything in the house had been painted like a dark color on the bottom and then a light color on the top. So like blue, Hunter blue, green, pink, burgundy. Pink. So I did get ready. Hunter green at the bottom, which, you know, we're talking early nineties. What could be bigger than Hunter yeah. green? And then on the top, I did like this buttery yellow. Ooh. Ooh. And I changed things up. And that was a big light bulb moment for me as a kid. Like, how fun is this? And then, you know, I, High school happened, college happened, early adulthood happened. Interior design completely left my mind as because so, I was just poor. Uh, so, like, <laughs> interior design was like, what? You know, oh, it's like, yeah, totally not approachable. Can't get to yeah, that. Yeah, it just, it just kind of totally left my mind. So, when I got this job and I got to work with interior designers for the first time, Ever, but you know, as an adult, it was that was when I knew, okay, this is something that I can channel my passion of interior design and for interior design into success as a PR professional because mm-hmm. I'm passionate about it, but I'm not overly invested in it because at the end of the day, I'm not a creative. Back um, to your coloring book, like you're doing yeah, your coloring yeah. in the plans, like you're not <laughs> yeah. like making the plans, but you're making them beautiful. Exactly. So that was really kind of how it all happened. And then I think like any small business, it's all about getting connected with the right first person, Mm -hmm. right? 
So um, through a friend, I met a designer who was up and coming in Los Angeles who wanted to do PR. And we have been together now for 17 years. Wow. And is like the reason that I still do this. And was the person that said, why don't you just do this on your own? I'll send you a check. Like, I don't care where the check goes to. Why don't you do this? You know, when I had sort of thrown in the towel and I was like, I'm going to go work in TV and this is dumb. He was the first person that said, why don't I just send you a check while you look for a job? And then I kind of stopped looking for jobs. <laughs> mm, your patron saint. And so RPPR was born. That's- I mean, that's kind of the exclusive I'm your only client. Like, get do the work for me. I'm I'm not gonna leave. I'm not gonna go anywhere. Like, keep yes. Let's keep doing let's keep this party going. Like, yes, exactly. And like, and that's the way it is to to till today. I always tell potential clients, I said, if you don't foresee us saying I love you when we get off the phone in six months, this is never going to work. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> this is my blood, sweat, and tears. I'm only doing this because I care very passionately about you as a person and believe very deeply in your work. I have never, ever had success in just taking people's money. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just fall flat on my face every time. I have tried over the years to take on projects. I'm like, you know, this will be a new challenge. It'll be different and exciting. And if I'm not passionate about it, if I'm not passionate about the work, but if I'm not passionate about the people, I think it's going to, you're just kind of destined for failure every time. Because um, you're not you putting like the love into it. Like, I yeah. feel like... And at the end of the day, it's kind sales. Of yeah. You know, like it's a sales gig. And you're trying to find, you know, the right people to sell whatever it is I happen to be selling that day, whether it's furniture or wallpaper or a specific project or someone's, you know, pithy tips, whatever it may be, you know, I'm selling it, you know, and if if I'm not passionate about it, I learned very early. And that was one of the reasons that I decided to pursue RPPR as a business and a career was because I felt like I could make my mark on the industry if I was paired up with people that I was really passionate about. And 12 years in, it seems to be working, you know? Yeah. So far, so good. Yeah. I think that's a fantastic like connection to like where the passion comes through for clients. Because there are, and you probably have seen that there are, we know they exist. There are these like really large PR companies where they're like, We'll do whatever. We'll put it into our machine. Bing, bang, boop. We pop out a strategy, a goals, or whatever. It kind of follows a formula, which maybe everybody does, but there's no like the in, the really deep thought and care of like this doesn't really match their messaging. This isn't really their vibe and style. How do we get them to that? Like, there's a lot of I imagine a lot of for what you do personal connection to the work that you produce and you know how you help you know the designers that you work with. That if they were with large agencies, it's like, okay, we'll just put it into our formula and pop it out. And you'll probably still get some great results, but you're not going to have someone who cares about the process as much as you're invested in it. I think it's like anything where large agencies have a place. I certainly think sort of in this new era, particularly of commerce editors and affiliate links and mm-hmm. everything being sort of driven by Google search terms. I 
think that there's a place for large agencies in the design space, particularly in that kind of world. Mm. But, you know, my, my, my true love of my job is getting full houses published in magazines. And mm-hmm. online too, but you know, at the end of the day, everybody loves print more, and everybody you know, that's print. That's an, more valuable. Everybody loves to see a magazine. Doesn't matter that ten times more people are going to see it online than whatever hold that magazine. Still love that magazine. There's um, like a, and a, I love that a luster to it. Like it feels so illustrious, and I've made it. And look at me to be like. It's more special because it's harder. There's a lot less yes, of it. It is. For the most part, it is. There's a few places like, you know, for example, like El Decor does more original home tours in print than they do online. You maybe only get one or two original home stories from them online. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there are places that it's more competitive. But, you know, if you're looking at AD, you know, it's four homes in the magazine, you know, 10 to 12 issues a year. Whereas online, they're doing like, Three new home tours a week. Big major designers, big project. Yeah. Barbie's um, dream house. Barbie's dream house. That was weird. <laughs> yeah, there. I feel like the magazine definitely amazing. pushes like AD. AD now is like we need, we need to like guarantee that whatever's in print or on the cover is going to move issues. Like it's the card. It's Kardashian heavy. It's celebrity heavy. It's you know Mila Kunis. Like they're they're definitely. I get it. Like celebrities yeah. get attention. Celebrities sell the covers or like personalities sell the cover, but then there's yeah. still, like you said, there's three more homes featured in that issue that it's still really valuable to be part of that and be included in those. Yeah. And it's not just about the magazine anymore. I mean, to continue talking about AD, if your homeowner isn't willing to open up that door and say hello, AD, to a camera, you're not going to be on the cover of that magazine. That's like A yeah. number one. You know, whoever is going to be on the cover of that magazine has to do that video, you know, or you're not on the cover, you know, so it's so far beyond just the printed package anymore for the media brands themselves. And I think that it's important that that's really an important guidepost, I think, that you can be for designers to have all the information already gathered. You know, not only am I talking to the editors and the players at the magazines, but I'm consuming all the content, you know, nine times out of 10, if I ask a designer, if they've seen a magazine, the answer is no, Mm -hmm. they have a very large, glamorous stack of magazines that they plan to read someday. Uh But a lot of times when they reference a print magazine to me, I'm like, I remember that that was like the September 2018 issue, you know, like. We've been through a few leadership changes since then, and it's like (laughs) half as many pages as it was then. So, you know, that's a big thing that I bring to the table as a professional is that I'm on top of all these things. And I know, you know, how to give you sort of a path to publication. You know, you have Mm. to know what the magazine is looking for. You need to know who to talk to at the magazine. You need to know specifically what they're looking for, both in terms of, yes, the house itself, but what else can come to the table that makes it an attractive project for that publication. Are there social media video opportunities? Is there a, you know, a notable homeowner? You know, you don't even have mm-hmm. to say celebrity anymore because now you've got, you know, the, the digital media universe of nine times out of ten i have no idea who those people are 
you know, yet they have like 10 school. million followers on TikTok and you're like, people are going to know this person. They're going to see this. Like, yeah. And I'm like, I still think <laughs> Julia Roberts is the biggest star in the world. Like, I'm just old, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, who? Mr. Who from TikTok? I have no idea who this is. Yeah. <laughs> what about Julia Roberts? Well, so tell us, like, when is it right for a designer to start considering PR and what are like, what are the steps we should take? There's a couple of different things. I would love to talk about it from the standpoint of one single project first, if you guys don't mind, and then okay. we could go sort of beyond that. But so I should also note that I am a one man band in the classic 12 instruments, symbols under my armpits. It's just me. There are no assistants. There are no interns. You pay for the principal, you get the principal. It's just me and you on this ride together. And that's really important to me. I like the work. I don't want to solely run a business. I want to do the work. I want to be involved in taking a home from what I call going from 3D to 2D, you know, because that's Mm -hmm. ultimately what we're doing is we're helping realize the experience of being in a home that has been created and taking that to a 2D format that then can be shared with the world. Mm. So the best time to contact a publicist is when you schedule your final install, is what I like Mm. to tell people. You schedule your final install on a project, that is the best time to figure out who you might want to work with on that project. Because I want to get involved with people before, as far in advance of the photo shoot as possible. Okay. There are a number of reasons for that. Number one, designers have a lot on their plate. And I can find that it can be super helpful to help them figure out who's the best photographer for a particular project. Mm. A lot of that has to do with the homeowners, you know, because I want to know out of the gate, is this a one and done opportunity? Do we get to go into this home one time, take pictures, and then that's it? Yeah. Or, right. you know, could we go back could we in do later? Video? Could, it, yeah. could we do video later? Would the homeowners be willing to participate in a photo shoot or interview? Yeah. So I start everything with, you know, like I said, is I prefer to start before the install so that we can talk about the scope of the project, everything that's involved. One thing that I'm trying to avoid right now because it m- is making life more difficult for everybody is incomplete projects. It is the easiest way to get thrown out of a project review meeting is to be missing a room. You know, when you're going to go in and look at stuff and again, it depends on magazines, but you know, if you look at a lot of publications, if you don't have a kitchen or a bathroom in your project, you're the, the chances that that's going to move forward in a publication that relies on kitchen and bath advertisers is very low, right? So you don't the mean advertisers, like no, the entire ahead, house. You just mean like key rooms. That I'm talking about if you're missing key rooms. But not like every room in the house needs to be photographed. Not every room, but I always tell people you must have a primary living space, a primary dining space, a kitchen, a primary bedroom, and a primary bathroom. That is like the absolute bare minimum, right? Because yeah. even if you're thinking about like, you know, you got to get six to eight pages out of this. You have to give them enough to quote unquote edit the project down, right? 
you know, I think that some people go into it and they see eight pictures in the six page spread and they go, well, I have eight pictures. Well, you're not giving anyone anything to do. You know, like you can't, if you, if the magazine publishes eight pictures, I need to take them 20 pictures, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So the way that I like to start is to have either the designer or a trusted team member, not like an, somebody that knows what they're doing, please, to go in and do what I call four corners scouting, which is, and it's like, not sexy. It's not, I don't need to see what you think the glamour shot of this mm-hmm. room is. That is not your job. That is a professional's job. Just go in there and take a picture from every corner of the room. I want to see the entire room. I need to see how the rooms flow together. I call that the connective tissue. It's quite disgusting, but I think it really does the job of explaining to people what I mean when I see, I need to see how the rooms flow together. It's like, nobody just wants to see a collection of rooms. People want right. to see a home tour. Yeah, how does you they want to see the peak of the dining room beyond the living room. They want to see Ex- the peak of the kitchen behind the dining space. Like they want to know I mean, where they yeah. all correlate to each other. That's the going excitement. back to floor plans. Like, oh, yeah, I see but- how they did that, or they hid the pantry over there. How cool! Like they yeah. want to know it's there. It drives me crazy, and I always will say, like, you know, if I get a set of images that have already been done, that there's nothing worse that. Than images that generate questions that we can't answer. Yeah. Like, where mm-hmm. is this? What's beyond there? You know, like, like, let's not give them anything that's gonna, gonna bring up questions that we can't answer. Mm-hmm. I recently worked with a designer on a single project where there was just like sort of one shot of a corner of a dining room. And I'm like, all this picture does is open up questions as to where is the rest of the dining room? Why are we only showing this portion of the dining room? Can we see the rest of the dining room? And it's like, oh, well, that's where we hid everything. <laughs> that's where all the crap is. Yeah, we had to, shoot, we had to yeah. shoot around an ugly part of the room and we couldn't do it. Or yeah. Whatever. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, you know, and then like, then you go, this is, if I can't go oh, back in it. here and shoot it again, the question becomes like, late. are are we really just opening the door for people to say, where's the rest of this room? And then I guarantee you, it's sort of like I always say, like anything you say in an interview, like they will print it if it's interesting or if it makes that, if, if it perks their ears up and, and generates questions in their mind. It's the same with photos, like showing people photos that just start their mind spinning on questions about what's beyond that photo. Mm-hmm. We are not doing a service to the work of the designer. You want them to concentrate on what's happening in the image, not what they feel like they might be missing out on. If that makes sense, yeah, they want to. Yeah, you want to yeah. feel satisfied. Like I went into that home and experienced the whole thing. Exactly, exactly. We, and I'm sure you guys can relate to this, but our brains have been both rotted and rewired by Instagram and holding these damn phones in our hands 24 hours a day. Yeah. And something very important to remember is that 13 vertical images might be fabulous for Instagram, but they mm-hmm. are virtually useless when it comes to pitching print stories. Right. Uh, you know, those 13 shots are the beginning of a home story. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm seeing this and I'll tell you, I'm telling this to some very big photographers and they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Because 
they, you know, everybody gets sucked into looking at it on their phones and thinks it's a perfect shot. And I'm like, yeah, explain to me how I'm going to get a two page spread out of this vertical image. That's essentially a vignette. Yeah. They need the spread. They want the whole wide shot, big open up the double page layout. Like they want that big moment where you get, oh, look at this room and verticals just aren't going to do it. Yeah. Well, and you can't see it all. It's so interesting because like I come from a creative advertising background from back in the film days and transferring to vertical was a huge change. Like we're like, no, we need to have vertical too. But it's interesting that photographer, like photographers used to prefer shooting wide and they've all been like retrained, I guess. Everyone has been rewired by holding the quote unquote black mirror, you know, Mm. in our hands where it's like, oh yeah, that image looks great here. Superstar, you know, done. Wait, why did I just make the connection of black mirror? No, (laughs) it's like, no, no, no. We have not accomplished anything with this set of 13 vertical images. So this is free advice, photographers and designers, and extremely important. When you're shooting, get your vertical. Please don't let me stop you from getting your vertical. I know it looks great on your phone and it's going to do great on Instagram. And verticals are important for both online and print stories. Don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong. All I want people to do is to turn the camera, Mm -hmm. move the camera a couple inches back if you need to, do just a minimal amount of judging. You know, let's not stand around in clock vases all day, but just flip the camera, get the horizontal before you move on. It takes five minutes to get that. Yeah. And you've doubled the number of shots. You've doubled your chances of getting published because we're giving people options. We're giving editors the ability to edit something, you know? And you need to um, My photographer will do that. She'll say like, Website. I'm gonna do this wide, yeah. but you can crop this down and get this little. Like she'll say, like this side over yeah, here could, could be perfect for a vertical, and you could do one or the other, or you could move in. And my, I'm detailed enough; you can capture a vignette from this. But like, I'm gonna start big. Yeah, and she's like, and keeping that's her what eye I always tell people in general: start big, start back, mm-hmm. and work your way in. Mm-hmm. Don't spend a lot of time on a detail shot that could be cropped out of a larger image. You know, no one likes to look at them. They perform terribly. We all love to shoot them, but they're terrible. They perform terribly. Man, details just they just crash and burn on Instagram. They don't Mm -hmm. get published. It's just I don't know. I guess it's good if I'm selling product. Like that's about it. Like if I had a shop, I would. I like great. Let's have them so people can see the stuff I could sell them from my my shop. They're like the third in the scroll like they aren't Mm -hmm. ever a cover image yeah absolutely absolutely and and they're good for books you know yeah that you know you occasionally get that you know sort of the the quad page of the four details from the previous few images kind of a situation or maybe there's like a really interesting living room or dining room that you go in and do some close-ups of cool details that don't necessarily get showcased in a hero image of a especially if it's part of a story and there's something behind it that you want to experience and talk about. Or if it's something custom, that is, you know, I always tell people to think about what you want to do again. And I'm not saying sort of like off the shelf cookie cutter look, but you know, if you want to be doing, if your firm really thrives in 
construction, tear down, major renovations of kitchens and bathrooms and older homes, and that's something that you thrive and you want to continue to do, then that's the kind of stuff that you want to shoot very thoroughly. You know, you want to capture the details that you're going to try to sell other clients on on the future. You know, not everything has to be about super public marketing, right? Right. Sometimes it's about the one-on-one moments with a client where you're going back through work. It might not even be stuff that you put on your website or that you put on Instagram, but something that you have available where you can go into a little bit more detail on specialty and custom work that you'd like to do. Having really gorgeous imagery of that can be can help you sell that. Can help you yeah, get that the idea deal. across the finish line. Yeah, we did another like you're like we look at this wet room idea for your bathroom will work. Look at one we did. Even if you're not like oh it wasn't portfolio worthy, I'm not going to show it on the site. You could still show someone and go. It's possible. We can do this. It's going to be a beautiful. Trust me. Like let's close the deal and keep it moving. And it adds some confidence to that, you know, for them to know, like, it's been done. We can see other beautiful examples of this. Exactly. So can a designer hire you just on a project? Or like, how, how do you work with designers, I guess? Yes. And I actually love that. As I mentioned before, it's just me. I will say very quickly that my dear friend and colleague, Jenny Gianni, has worked with me as a freelancer and help out. She helps out a lot with consumer products, but she freelances and has her own firm and is very busy and is a successful mom and entrepreneur in her own right, but does help me occasionally. I don't mean to discount her contribution. So I just had to say that really quickly. Okay. Um, so lovely of you. Because I love her. She's the best. But other than that, it, you know, it really is just me. And when we're talking about individual projects or pitching designer projects, that is what I'm doing. That's what I was saying before. I love the work. I love writing the pitch. I love sequencing the images, especially if they're all there and they mm-hmm. did what I asked or suggested. You know, I love all that stuff. And yes, I absolutely work with people for just one project. And the biggest reason is because I almost constantly carry a full slate of clients. Mm-hmm. I have not taken on a new full time client since March of 2022. Because God bless you all. If any of you listen to this, I don't think any of you will. But if any of my clients do listen to this, I love you because you do not go away. And I have only two clients that are like on my full-time roster that I've worked with one for over a year. And then the closest one to that is three years running. So I don't take on clients very often. And how I get around that, and I think it's a benefit for everybody, is through this single project program where I charge a flat fee for one project. And whether it's before the photo shoot or after the photo shoot, I'm on board for that project to see it through to publication. Hmm. We always start with my intake form. My intake form is everything that I can think of that I might need to know about a project and the home itself and the homeowners and what the designer did. And I need all that information up front. You learn the hard way, not asking enough questions up front when you're like putting a project across the finish line. Okay, the reshoot is going to be in July and we're going to need the homeowners for two hours and da-da-da-da-da. 
And the designer's like, oh, we can never go back there. Oh, God. Oh, God. The homeowners would never do this. Okay. I wish I had known before we did all the legwork. Yes. Like, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So learned that a very long time ago. So the intake form covers like the factual basics about a house. I need to know the address. Yes, I'm going to Google it and make sure you're not lying to me and that it's actually on sale. You know, those kind of things. I am going to Google the homeowners to make sure that there's not anything weird there. Yeah, it's like better. an ethical problem or something. Like, Or even, I don't yeah. even, it, it's for, like it's like the astronauts. It's for what I don't know. You know, yeah. like I'm Googling yeah. them for what I can't think of what is wrong with these people, you know? <laughs> but, you know, I tell people it is advantageous to everybody that I do that. And I do that research first. Then when they're like fact checking an article for a national magazine and someone stumbles upon like, you know, some okay. kind of like, terrifying detail about a home or homeowner or something, you know, sure. like that's never happened, but I'm not going to let it happen either. Because of your intake you know? form. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nothing like an intake form to save the day. So the basics, and then, you know, it's really important for me to know up front, like, will they be named? Will they be interviewed? Does it need to be completely anonymous? Will they participate in a photo shoot? All that kind of stuff. And I really push on the clients, like, this is not a guessing game at this point. This is a, if it's not in your contract and you haven't had a discussion about it after me, you know, you, you have to ask these questions now. We yeah. cannot wait until someone is potentially interested to find out whether or not they're going to let that slide. You know what I mean? Uh, it is not, an, it's disappointing to people sometimes. But it is better for us to find out in advance than after an editor has already invested themselves into a project and like things are moving forward. And then I have to go and pull the rug out. Yeah, I'm sure that it's makes you look me. bad. And yeah, it's not good for them. Yeah, it looks bad for it everybody. Certain, like, well, you know, well, this person's never going to talk to you again. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, but just to think of like, you know, that someone wouldn't talk to you again or someone wouldn't look at your work again as a designer because, like, you were afraid to ask a client if they would let the project be in a magazine. Like, mm. you know, that is just a huge mistake that I don't want people to make. So we get ahead of all of that stuff. But is it right. possible wanted... to get published if the answer is no? Like, we can't go back? Yes. Go back. Okay, you just need yes. to know. Absolutely. Need to know. I can direct things better at that point. So, you know, for example, there are now here's another thing. And I tell not everybody does this, but a lot of outlets will have a homeowner release form. Mm -hmm. And I tell, well, I'm going to, I'm going to spoil my own trick here, but I always tell everybody that there's a prop, that there's a homeowner release form coming, right? Mm -hmm. Like this homeowner release form is going to have to be signed by your clients. It happens for every outlet, every time. And just okay. make sure that you are a thousand percent sure that they really have talked to the homeowners about this and the homeowners are definitely on board because we do not want to mess this up. It's like yeah. a number one. And honestly, it's not something that people realize. It's I, I think it probably surprises people more than anything in the beginning when I'm like, the homeowner has to be on board with this. So, you know, we want to make sure that we have 
we're completely positive that everybody is on board before we move forward because it's not going to be a good look for anybody beyond that. Mm -hmm. So at that point I have the intake form and then it can start to go, okay, so this is a one and done shoot. Homeowners are anonymous. They will not do a photo shoot. They will do nothing. Then I can then go, okay, we're going to direct it to one of these outlets. But at the same time, you know, we're also talking to the designer themselves and saying like, you know, how long are you willing to wait for this to come out? Is this something that you need to come out within three months? Like even short lead is several months now. Yeah. And I'm saying short lead is predominantly online or, you know, newspaper or, you know, sort of a more frequent magazine than a traditional shelter magazine. But even for an online home tour, you are most likely looking at, at a minimum of three months from the day I send the first email before that goes online. That is just the new timetable for things. And, you know, with a magazine, I mean, gosh, I've had a project accepted for probably six months already, and it's not going to be in, in print until the winter 2024 issue. It'll be a year. It'll be a year and a half. Like it'll be a year and a half. And that is a situation where we even provided the photography. It's just the timetable, you know? So you have to have an idea of how long a designer is willing to wait. I think is like as important as where they want it to go. And will the homeowners be involved? Because again, it's all these, all these bits of intake that help me determine the path for the project. Because I like to, you know, best case scenario, one and done email. Oh yeah, we love it. Okay, it's going to be in this first choice magazine. We're all done. Best case scenario. Love it when that happens. Happens often enough because we've done all the work in advance. We're not just like, you know, this isn't the days of sending CDs of 120 images (laughs) I took on my disposable camera to Peggy Russell (laughs) in New York and just like hoping magic will happen. You know, like, (laughs) this is not those days. We're doing all the work so that, yeah, so that when the pitch goes out, it's targeted. It's going to the right place. People are saying yes on the first email because we did the work. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the value that you're bringing to it is instead of like, it's, it's the same for designers if they're like, okay, but why why PR versus just me doing all this is like, are you, it's like a homeowner, like, are they really going to know all the things to ask and all the things to consider when remodeling their own home? Like, no, that's what the designer is there for. And again, with what you're doing, it's like, this is what PR does is you've already fast-tracked it. You know the right questions to ask. It's not just the get access to a Rolodex. There's a way to create the angle, the pitch. Here's what's going to work. Here's not. Here's how it won't work. And then also, I'm sure there is some strategizing with the does this media outlet align with where you think you want your next potential clients to come from and where they'll be and who will be looking at it? Because I think that's the angle we haven't even talked about, which is like, why do I want to get in a magazine? It's part of it's, I'm not going to lie, part of it's vanity. Like, we'd all love it. We'd all love to just be in print. And there's a vanity aspect and a yay me and like a industry credibility perspective. Yeah. Absolutely. But it is the, there's a big element of look at me. This is where I'm at. People think people take me seriously in my own industry. Like, 
Yeah. Other other outlets and media professionals believe in me too. And there is a little bit of that like posturing to the next potential client. But I'm can you like maybe illuminate a little bit for us, Rich, on do you feel like this makes an impact when you talk to your clients and they see this public, this got in-house beautiful or AD or wherever? Do they see the correlation between those and their next? Jobs or their net, their bigger projects. Like, do they feel there's that payoff their hourly rate? Invest into that. Yeah. Well, I think number one, yes, a big portion of this is always like validation and in service of the ego, and I completely support that. There <laughs> are projects that that is what it's all about, you know. But not every project is that, and that's where we think about you know building a brand. Are we building a brand with this project? Are we growing the business with this project? Are we looking for new clients? Mm. I tend to think that things with more of a national scope are more brand building mm-hmm. as seen in. You know, people yeah. don't necessarily do like as seen in, you know, this random local magazine. It's yeah. as seen in AD. It's as seen in House Beautiful. It's Lux Gold List 2028 or whatever. You know, that's sort of like the big brand building. And then on the other side is what makes the phone ring, you know? Mm -hmm. And that actually requires a little introspection that I think a lot of people don't necessarily want to do. I know it's funny, like when I talk to people, so I am virtually 100% referral based. 99 out of 100 of the random I'm looking for a PR firm emails that come into my inbox are just like screaming hot red flags. Just, (laughs) just, you know, on fire with red flags. And, you know, when you ask clients about like, well, how did this homeowner find you? And, oh, I have no idea. I have no idea. How did you find me? Oh, I have no idea. It's like, you found, they found you on Google. You found me on Google. Google, Google, Google. Um, and they just and hit even, the first like, person just, they could find. Like, Yeah. And like, I just did a landscaping project here at our house. And it was like, the first thing I did was got recommendations from people that I know and trust and saw the work. And like, I'm sorry, but companies that are getting recommended are like booked out and like, don't want to do your project a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately, I found the right landscape firm on Google. And, you know, it just, you know, got lucky. And there's nothing wrong with Google. But I feel like a lot of people don't want to sort of admit that that's where a lot of press comes from. Yeah. In my experience, especially for designers who are like making that jump to a next level, like their first print national magazine feature doesn't necessarily make the phone ring off the hook. And I think that that surprises people because they think that like, it's just like that one magazine story. And like, and I look at from a sense of like, you know, somebody who is reading a magazine and thinking like, oh, I'm going to hire this person from this magazine, mm-hmm. you know, probably doesn't have a lot of connection to fully realized interior design projects in their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, their friends aren't recommending, mm-hmm. you know, people in their circle aren't recommending to them. And they're like, why, why am I going to call this firm from a magazine? To right. have, they're never going to want to come do my house, right? Mm. We s- sort of see a lot of that. Whereas, sort of like regional, local magazines, you know, you see that and you love it. And it's like, let's go, call them today. 
you know, there's just like a, a more of a sense of comfort from the average person to reach out to somebody that has been featured in a more localized format. So I always tell people we want to cover the full breadth of national print, regional print, and online, which is inherently national, because you want to have that mix going they all for do you. Things. They-, they all do different things for your brand. And then like, even beyond that, you also want to like, you know, think about which projects belong in those different types of places. You know, yeah. sometimes like, you know, a big showpiece, like, yes, it could be great for a national magazine, but could, is this like, you know, a very sort of, does this project reflect the type of home and the type of project that's common? in your area and by more people in your area seeing you do this project you know like in san francisco it might be you know a major renovation of a hundred plus year old home or in la it might be you know reinventing a house in the hills in palm springs it might be like how you can reinvent a mid-century modern house and mm-hmm. you may grow your business a lot more, even though it's like a showpiece project that could be suitable for a national magazine. Could you get more business if you publish mm-hmm. it regionally? And what do you um, need? Yeah, it's like, do you, yeah. if your phone's, if you're booked, like maybe you don't need to If you're booked, local, and that's yeah. another, it's like, how much time do we have to publish this? You know, can I bat this around to six different magazines over the course of a year? Because you're booked out far enough that you don't need this to generate new leads. And we have, yeah, exactly. We're like not desperate for Instagram content or whatever at this, at this particular time. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, another thing that I really think it helps people. And I like to point it out in the beginning is when people go to your press page, there needs to be a mix right? You want there to be at least one thing for like every type of person to relate to. This is how I think PR helps a designer the most. Maybe it doesn't make the phone ring. Okay. But you're up for a job and you're up against one or two other firms, right? And so, you know, maybe, maybe let's just for this sake of this conversation, it's a husband and wife. and they each have different sensibilities that they are going to react to and identify with. And you want to make sure that there's something on your press page that somebody's going to relate to and go, you know, this, they've been endorsed by this third party that I subscribe to or I read regularly. And if it's good mm-hmm. enough for them, it's good enough for me. Sign the contract, write the check, you know, for somebody that's very status focused. You know, it may be something like AD. For somebody who is more fashion focused, it might be El Decor. For somebody that is, you know, very interested in vintage and antiques, you know, maybe it's first dibs. For somebody that's more financially minded, you know, maybe it's that story with the price breakdown in the New York Times, or maybe it's a quote about trends in the Wall Street Journal off duty section. So you want to be thinking about having a variety of media coverage. And I also think that not a lot of people click through to actually read the stories. You're just collecting logos visually Mm -hmm. when you get to that page, right? You're like, 
I see AD, I see House People, I see Wall Street Journal, I see New York Times. Okay, that's good. I'm that's they're well rounded enough. You know? They've got they've got enough things yeah. that I'm interested in. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like, you know, big picture. I think those are kind of like the three ways that we're looking at a variety of outlets, we're looking at a variety of types of content to create a little bit of something for everybody. Super, super cheesy, but I have yet to think of a better anecdote. Remember the old cartoons where they would go skiing and there's like the old style slalom ski jump and like character A makes like packs character B into a snowball and rolls it down the hill. And as it goes down the hill, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until this huge snowball launches off the jump at the end and like crashes down on top of the ski chalet. That is what we're doing mm. with PR. And but not a bad that, crash at the end. A good mm. crash. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you burn down the house at the shoot? Okay, well... Did then, you complete you know, the intake know. form? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Did, you, did you lie on your intake form? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we never... Oh. I, I've never had anything that quite that terrible happen, luckily. <laughs> But there's a lot of building that goes into it. And so if designers are thinking and they're like, oh my God, I'm not at this scale. I don't have my minimum five rooms or I'm not there yet. It's like, that's fine. Start with what you have. Start with the outlets who will do one room, who will do two rooms. Like they they exist. They're out yeah. there. They may not be the best fit for like what you're trying to help people, you know, help designers with or lifestyle with. But it, it does exist. So if designers are listening and they're feeling like discouraged, it's like everybody starts somewhere. Like we've talked to so many guest designers who are like, oh yeah, when I started, I was doing the IKEA DIY type of bathroom for people or the kitchen. I mean, we've seen that story. It everybody starts from a certain scale and moves on. And we know that our hotties who listen are like all various degrees of growth in their in their roles and what they've been doing. So it's possible to start building this now and start with, you know, other smaller media outlets who maybe are just doing online or local magazines because that helps generate the calls that come in and yeah. every little bit helps, you know, for that one in- one day you don't have to include those anymore when you've got a whole roster of big lineups. Yeah, you don't have to put the, you know, the bathroom refresh that Scrub you did the in internet. a, in a lo- <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. you can scrub you can scrub that out. You don't have to put it on your website anymore. Like it it'll still be in the depths of the interweb somewhere, but people won't, you know, refer to it as often. Yeah, I feel like there's not even like that many like there used to be, you know, 10 plus years ago like even just sort of like random like sort of embarrassing outlets that had design coverage, you know, sort of I don't know, I don't know what wave of media budgets that was in. But, you know, a lot of times I'm telling people, like, we're going to do these individual quote requests, not so much because it's going to benefit you from a PR standpoint, but like, you need to learn how to write better. Mm. And, you know, I'm going to start giving you these series of three and four questions. Yes, no one wants to talk about trends. No one wants to use the word trend. I don't use trends. I don't care. Blah, blah, blah. Too bad. You need to work on how to answer interview questions, and we're going to use these. You know, you know that that's another sort of part of you know is like I hesitate to call it media training because you know it's not like corporate level media training. Like you're going to get grilled on like the squawk box on CNBC or anything. Like, but you have to know how to speak 
and write in a way that is professional. And have an um, opinion and a point of view, right? That's yeah, like absolutely. part of the brand building. And learn how to express it. There's nothing yeah. worse than having a point of view that you can't express. What you do know, you think- I think people get kind of tripped up in their own, you know, sort of insecurity about that. And it's like, well, then we're going to practice. Here we go. You're going to get every single quote request that comes through and we're going to work on them. Maybe we won't submit them all, but the only way you're going to get better at this is to work on it. And I would, I would, I wanted to bring this up really quick before I forget, because I forgot twice already, is that, you know, when, if you can't afford a PR professional, the best advice I can give people is like Instagram is just a starting point. Okay. People see like one picture posted caption. They see a media outlet tag. Why is blah, blah, blah on this website? Why is blah, blah, blah in this magazine? And it's like, well, I, I don't know. Did you like read the story? And, and <laughs> did, did you click through? Did, did we get any farther than we just noticed that a media outlet was tagged in a picture of someone that you follow and we like spiral immediately? Or like, do you have information? Just share with me. So it's like, get off Instagram, read the content, follow the stories and find out like, oh, well, you know, this story was on ad.com, but you know, they tagged the writer and that's a freelancer and okay, I can follow them. Okay. I can Mm. comment on their Instagram Mm. stories, but then it's like, read every story that they write And okay, maybe you're not going to like jump out of the gate into one of their AD stories, but like, you know, they're also writing for brand blogs and, you know, it may not be the sexiest media outlet, but we're building relationships, you know? And it's like, I always tell my clients, like, you know, we're going to help people that we like and respect on smaller assignments so that you're at the front of the line for the bigger assignments. So if you're a designer that doesn't have PR and can't afford PR, find the places where you can insert yourself into the conversation, you know? And I think that, you know, again, just like following that anecdote that I just explained, it's like, you know, don't just see that somebody was on an outlet, you know, see who wrote it, follow them and get get connect get connected to them and start building a relationship and start following everything that they do right instead of following all the pr that xyz designer is getting who are the three or four writers of those stories that you can follow and then develop relationships with them so that you become the designer that's in the mix i think that people sort of skip over that part they just think like, oh, this person is everywhere, you know? Right. Right. And, you know, they might have, P- they might have professional PR. They might not. They may have just made relationships with people. Instagram is a great place to do that. Use it to your advantage, not to your detriment. Yeah. It's easy what? to get caught up in the comparison game of it all where you're just like, oh, I'm not, <sighs> my project was better than the one that got published. It's like, well, yeah, but like, they actually pitched it and got the work out there or had maybe PR too, but like, they had to put in the work to get it out there. It did, no one just called them up and like very rarely, I would imagine, is it an editor or someone who's like, I saw you share this progress on a story and we want that house. Like I'm, that's probably like that a does fairy happen godmother. For small stuff. It, it, like, it can, it can. For small stuff. But that's because yeah. I've also put stuff out there. So 
we always you have tell to create, you have to too, do like, something in order to yeah, get it and talk like, about it and the and the right people have to be following you right right, right. which i have no you, know. you have no idea and well, if you're sure. not present and sharing anything or talking about stuff no one knows and and we've said this and i don't I, this is separate, but we've talked about this. Like we do get reactions from the hotties who listen and we have interviews with designers and we talk to other people. And sometimes they're like, oh my God, I really love this person. And then equally we'll get responses from designers who listen who are like, I just didn't feel like she was my vibe or they were my vibe. I didn't, I, I just didn't jive with what they were saying. And I'm like, that's the joy of podcasts is we expose you, you to a lot of different people. Like- but also we find that designers who take a really specific point of view and perspective, mm-hmm. get heard. Like there's no room for waffling sometimes. Like clients like to be told what to do. That's why they want to hire a designer. And that's why they want a very specific look, feel, energy. Like clients want that. But also as like those of us in the design industry, the the perspective that is like solid and clear and understandable gets the airtime or gets the gets the extra characters when they're doing a write up like even media they want they need to put something out there that gets people to read and gets attention and even if designers are reluctant to kind of put their line in the sand that's what people are looking for and they can all exist in the same universe you can have an opinion it doesn't have to be super controversial they don't have to be they don't have to be cancel worthy but like you can still have a, a hot take <laughs> You can have a hot take on barn doors and that's fine if you stick to the hot take and it means something to you and you can come with, you know, a lot of it is like coming up with a, here's what I would do instead. I think that's like that media training you were saying is, that's great. You can mention the problem. Are you going to have a solution? Are you going to be the designer who contributes to the conversation? And a lot of designers are sitting out of that conversation like, oh, maybe I'll scare people off. But I tend to feel like it's better to scale, scare those people off. You don't want them to call you. You want you want the person who likes that opinion and agrees and is like, I've been saying that for years and no one said it. And then they're bought into your process because they trust you know, your natural ability and skill that you've developed. So have an opinion. Little, like, like, yeah, like you're talking about like the opinion style pieces can be a really good way to break through. Like, you know, is shiplap over? Is wall to wall carpet back? You know, having strong opinions and things like that. And like, you know, maybe you even want to follow up to, you know, let's say you see the story about how wall to wall carpet is back online. And so then you follow the writer and then, you know what? I just used wall to wall carpet in a project and then you know, you do a picture of it and you talk about Mm -hmm. how lovely it is. And you read this story by X, Y, and Z and you tag them in your caption and, you know, maybe write them a little note about how much you enjoyed the story and inspired you to post a picture about how you just used wall-to-wall carpet in this project. And it was so glamorous. And then like, that could be a reason for them to reach out to you for another story in the future. You know, how, how do you feel about Harrow? Like help a reporter out? Mm. I don't really look at it anymore. I don't... uh, At this point, I have a broad enough network of freelancers. Sure. Number one, that like, you know, I'm I'm already hitting clients up for quotes about X, Y, and Z sort of enough. My colleague Jenny still scans it and will send me things. What's becoming more useful is some freelancers like are doing emails that you can subscribe to. Mm-hmm. 
So then like every week or every two weeks, I get an email from this freelancer that's just like a rundown of all the different stories that they're working on. Mm, And then I can email them and say, I'm interested in this story. Here's the person that I think would be a good fit. Here's some images that I have that could be a good fit here. And, and, and approach it that way. And then once you get in with good freelancers, then you sort of get onto their email blast list. Um, not everybody does blast, but some people do. When I was in San Francisco last week, I got to meet a great freelancer in person for the first time. And like I was saying before, it's like, I'm always helping people with every level of assignment that they have. Yeah. And because I want to be top of mind for the bigger projects. And this writer said to me last week, she was like, I always pay attention to your emails because I always know that you've done the work. Like mm-hmm. you've only included what I've asked for. You've done everything that I've asked for, you know, cause it's like, I'll put together a Dropbox folder that is, you know, powder rooms for ad.com. And then every designer that has powder rooms has a folder. Every image is labeled with the designer's name and the photographer's name. Mm-hmm. I explain in the email that we have the rights to use the images. You know, everything is done for them on the first email. Mm-hmm. The one of the detract one of the bad things about that is that sometimes I give people everything in the first email and then they're just kind of like, oh, okay, run with it. And then I don't find it for a while. <laughs> and I'm like, oh gosh, I got a story out of this. And I didn't even realize it. <laughs> no one even um, told you, like follow no back up. No one even told you. me. And yeah, and that's another that's something that's really important that if you don't have somebody that's either a PR professional and you don't have somebody in your office, you know, that's sort of media savvy enough to be generally following things like not only looking for yourself because people pull photos right off Instagram and the request to use the photo on Instagram is buried in your message requests of 375 people that you never look at. But, you know, you need to have somebody that is just like, keeping a finger on the pulse of the community. You know, what's Mm -hmm. going on? Yeah, and get that Google alert set up. Yes, although Google alerts are trash. Worth as much all the time, They're so terrible. There's a thing, it's called Talkwalker. Okay. And that is more accurate. Gosh, I hope it's still called Talkwalker. Let me look real quick. Because you know how these like smaller, like little like startup things get like... Gobbled up by Google? Goggled up by, you know, other things and whatnot. And, but I'm pretty sure it's called Talkwalker. Yes, Talkwalker alerts. So Talkwalker is one word, talkwalker.com. Set that up, use quotes, do variations of your name, of the firm name. Like if I, I usually do like one or two books a year. So I'll have alerts set up that have both the title of the book, just the mm-hmm. title, the title mm-hmm. and the name you know, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, that it helps, but it is far from foolproof. There are a lot of big major outlets that will not show up in either place. And you truly have to... When I say that I go to 20 websites every single day and look at every new story that they post, it's because I will miss things if I don't do that. You just... You will be on AD and not know it if you don't look at every story every day. And I even know yeah. what story... I even know like the headlines well, looking I'm looking for. for. <laughs> yeah. And I still have to put in the effort to find that stuff. I still have to look through... I, you know, I don't 
get as many magazines as I used to, and there's not as many as there used to be. But, you know, I still go through every magazine every month just to be sure. You know, I'm also looking for things that I wouldn't necessarily know about. Like if a designer uses a client's furniture or wallpaper or rug or something in a project, Mm -hmm. I need to read every major magazine and go through every home tour every month because my client's furniture is probably going to be in there. And it's so funny. Like, and oh, another thing, this is another great thing to subscribe to is the new email newsletters for all your favorite outlets. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have time to look at every story every day, at least you can get like the three highlights of that day in your inbox. And it's funny, like there will be days where I'm like, oh, I haven't looked at my dwell emails in like 10 days and there's like 50 of them and it's going to (laughs) be so annoying. I'm just going to delete all these. Every time the first one I look at, there's client. Every time. So it's like you have to put in the effort to look. When it's just you, then I'm the one that has to put in that effort. But the fact that I do consume as much design design media as I do is why I know what I'm talking about when it's time to pitch, you know, because I'm just absorbing it all every day. I can see where things are headed, you know, for better or worse. I think it's like a fantastic reveal to understand that like there is, yeah, like for a lot of us, we're the marketer the PR person, the CEO, the CFO, where everybody, but there are like digestible things that we can do to start helping with like media presence, starting with projects of all scales. And then when we feel like we've got projects that are large enough, like looking for an agency like yours that can help us get in front of a really big project and really give it like the wheels that it needs to, to help generate for our businesses, whether that's the prestige and credibility or getting projects like there, there are digestible and, steps. I guess it just feels unapproachable. It yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't mess it up. Cause if it's that big, like it's look, it seems like there's know, a lot and of we ways see you can screw it up early. All those stories from designers who are like, this project is like, this is going to be fantastic. This could make my blah, blah, blah. This could do everything. And they're like, but they don't want to let me take pictures. I'm like, well, that's not, that's not going, that's not anything you described then. Like, if you can't get the yeah. picture, it didn't happen, unfortunately, which really totally sucks. Like, yeah, it- I, it really sucks. I get it. Like, we all get that, but it's not the project to make your career then. Like, if that's the problem, it will not be helping you do that. And so we've, you know, put all this emotional investment into it that, just didn't come there. So I feel like like what you said is the let's head it off at the pass. Like when you feel it coming together and the client's on board and they've agreed to buy all this stuff and they're thinking, let's get this is going to be fantastic. That's the time to make sure like we really we're planning on photographing this. We would love to be able to use this for a feature somewhere. We don't know where yet, but client, like, are you interested in being involved in that? Do you want to remain anonymous? Do you want to get involved? If so, how much? And you can like lay the groundwork from that and really find out how far it can go without even knowing yet if it's going somewhere. Just get the groundwork started. Yeah. And if you can have the right to do professional photography in your contract, I highly recommend that. Yeah. Even if they stipulate that you cannot pub publish it in any way on your website, on social media, whatever, still get the professional images for your own portfolio. Like we were talking about Mm -hmm. before, when you're meeting with prospective clients, 
I also even advise people to have like a private section Mm -hmm. on your website that you can showcase projects that you're not able to publish on the, on the page, maybe because you're waiting for them to be published in a magazine, you know, like, you know, you want to have that private section. It's like, you know, these three or four projects are going to be published. So we can't showcase them on the website yet. But when you're talking to prospective clients, you know, either work that you can never publish or work that's waiting to be published, that you have it in a nice professional package on your website, not like firing off Dropbox links or the bane of my Yeah, do you want to scroll my Google Drive? Like, yeah. (laughs) And Google Drive shuts down Outlook. I'm like, get away from me with these Google Drive links, people. Yeah, I don't know. My computer... Yes, my Outlook shuts down as soon as it senses a Google Drive link. <laughs> in, like in Microsoft email. is like, nowhere. You're using a competitor. Like, <laughs> I know, and then I literally have to go on my phone and answer the email on my phone or like forward it to G. It like turns into a whole thing. But anyway, some people don't like Dropbox and I don't understand because, you know, we used to have to mail CDs around people. Come on, <laughs> get on board with Dropbox. And for me, it's, it's just great. the ease of like my f- email server is already in Google Drive. It's already in Google and yeah. everything's in yeah, Drive I'm, and my team I'm works in it. But, but being flexible and having the alternative of like, can you send these in Dropbox or can you send these yes. in something else? Like, yes. I don't take my advice there. I am not flexible in any way. <laughs> it's my way of the highway. <laughs> but so, hotties, if you want to work with Rich, you need to use Dropbox. Yes. Adopt Dropbox. Yes. Or send that, create a private page on your site. That's easy yeah. too. Yes. I, I, I think that's very good advice. I have always, I always tell people that it's like, Put stuff yeah. up on your website. Just have it private. You know, you don't even need a password. It's just like you need the link to get to yeah. it, you know? Yeah. Easy. You don't catch everybody that way, but like, at least if someone's talking to you, you have a professional way to present people with new work. Okay, no, I think this is really helpful. It's really helpful to know that you can just do a project. And just so, again, before installation, send you the form with some idea of what this project is. And at that point, are you vetting? Like saying like, I don't think you're re- or this is ready or. Yep. It has to be, I have to love the work and I have to love the person Got for it. me personally. That's the only way it works. The other thing too, is like develop relationships with publicists. Most of us in this space know each other and will Refer. share business with each other mm-hmm. when we think it's more appropriate. So like I came up with like a really amazing group in LA Eric Perez, Shania Shar, Lauren Urband, where we were all, you know, at bigger agencies, like solo, like, you know, solo at like the design events, like, you know, trying to kick up excitement or whatever. And then all sort of around the same time started our own businesses. And, you know, Sean and I are, I think, more consultants, what consultancy that Lauren has created and hello that Eric and Marissa have created are more full service. And there's something for everybody. And like I said, we all talk, we all refer each other business. And even on Instagram, like I've developed a really good relationship with a PR girl named Allison Conklin, who is now in Atlanta. And we have a lot of crossover just in the work that we do. And not only able to refer business to each other, but, you know, kind of gossip and vent and <laughs> be like, are you having the same problem with X, Y, and Z that I'm having? Is there someone better at XYZ that I can talk to? So just not, you know, just kind of opening yourself up, I think, to having a relationship with a PR person 
like go and talk to them at parties and, you know, just be on their radar. Mm-hmm. Um, more often than not, my goal is to always have an answer for a journalist or an editor, whether or not they're currently on my client list or used to be on my client list, or I just met them at a party and feel like they could be really good fit for this. I always want to be the hero to the media. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm like, oh, you know, I met this case in point, I had a a lovely request from an editor at a major national website and they were looking for screened in patios. And I was like, I specialize in California where there really isn't such a thing as screened (laughs) in patios. And, you know, my New England clients didn't really have anything, you know, but my first thing to do was wait, I know a PR person in the South. If they don't have photos and designers of screened in porches, then you're not going to find anything, you know? So it's, it's those kind of just like having like a broader network, you know, which for me isn't a necessity because it's just me, you know? Yeah. But just like talking to people. Yeah. But I think like, you know, wanting to be published and being interested in media opportunities is the kind of thing that you want to tell people that you meet because you never know what that could lead to. It's like the go, it's the go-tos of networking. They always say like, don't stop talking about what you need, what you want and what you're already doing. Like you have to keep saying it, saying it, saying it, and it's going to strike the right person. You're just, yeah. And how you can help them. Yeah. I mean, that's why I really beat the drum about doing the individual projects because it's an advantage to me as a publicist to have like a steady stream of new projects coming across Mm. my desk that then I can put out to editors that I'm staying in touch with the editors Mm. more often because I have these individual projects coming in. So like it's benefiting the designer. Yes. But it also has benefits for me so that I can just have more regular communications with editors and have different types of fresh work to put in front of editors that maybe I don't normally get to pitch. Right. Oh, this cool. is so, it's like got my little action item list and my to do's. Sean's got a little like pitch list going. I'm got, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I am, and I respond to the give me, don't do this, do this, and what to do. Like it definitely gives me the like urge that I need to like get off my ass and do it. So I feel like a lot of designers were responsive to that and just get it done. And I think, Rich, it's fantastic. I'm hoping that our designers are like, oh my God, thank God someone gave us like the real real on what's going on instead of the really like pretty rosy picture. If, if yeah, our no, for the wanna... paid subscribers, we have to do a special episode where <laughs> we do like an unfiltered, <gasps> dirty, down and dirty secrets of uh, PR. <laughs> Oh, Only for Patreon, though. Behind, Thank behind, you. behind the curtain. Like, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> if the publicist always knows where the bodies are buried, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Probably because we buried them. <laughs> you helped bury them. Oh my god! I always think that whenever I drive. Speaking of, because you're in the desert. Whenever I go out to the desert, I'm always like. How many dead bodies are out oh, there? So but that's just like a total. That's anytime when you go to Vegas, when you go anywhere, it's just the yeah. desert. But that regardless. back way to Vegas, that back way to Vegas is just a million and one places to hide a body. Who's just, gonna know? Yeah. Like, no, no will never be found. The, the mob is never gonna tell. Besides the point. But Rich, can you tell designers how you would want them to find you? 
Yes. The best place to find me is on my website. It's richpedinepr.com. That's R-I-C-H-P-E-D-I-N-E-P-R.com. And the reason I say that is, number one, you can email me from there. And I love to hear from people. But also, the best way to learn about my work is, you know, you can like check out my bio and that kind of whatnot. But go to my clients' websites that are all listed on my clients' page. And then click onto their websites and look at their press pages. And if you see something that you like there, that would be a good reason to contact me. And, you know, you may not be ready for full-time PR right now. That's not how I onboard new clients anyways. You may not even have a single project that you're ready to publish yet, but feel free to say hi. Feel free to reach out. You can also follow me on Instagram. I am private. I will probably accept you if your profile looks like you're a designer (laughs) and not like a crypto or OnlyFans scam. Yeah. (laughs) Must love um, Beagles. Yeah, unless it's a Beagle Instagram account and then approved immediately. Totally, yeah. And my Instagram (laughs) is very unprofessional. It's like pictures of my dogs and me doing cannonballs in my pool. That's pretty much all I post. It's very aspirational. They shouldn't follow follow you for like PR tips and marketing strategy. Oh, God, no. no. Follow my clients. Follow my clients if you want to see my success. <laughs> yeah, see what you've done through the website, through your clients. But yeah, otherwise, it's just you and living yeah. your living your best desert fantasy life. So, amen. Fantastic. Thank you so so much for being with us, Rich. We thank you guys. We loved having you. It was fantastic. This was a delight. I really appreciate it. I'm a huge podcast junkie, so it was very fun. Thank, thank you. you. I appreciate it. It's an honor. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so until... Long time, first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. So until next time, stay hot, designers. Thanks for listening to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. For more on what we talked about today, check out the show notes. Your support helps us grow, so share with your design besties. And subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Our conversations continue on Instagram. And be sure to download our monthly resources on our website and our Patreon. 